Hello, welcome to episode nine of the Next Explorers podcast. I'm Jordan, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Uh, this is the third episode of season two, and today's guest is pastor and author Morgan Snyder. He just wrote a book this last year called Becoming a King, The Path to Restoring the Heart of a Man, and he's a part of Wild Heart Ministries, and uh, this is a ministry I've been following for a long time, and I picked up this book, and I enjoyed it very much, and uh, Pastor Morgan uh, granted me the opportunity to just chat with him and ask him some questions about masculinity and some of the things he talks about in becoming a king. It's, it's really insightful, and I know it's going to be helpful to you. And this is a, a time, especially now in our year 2021, to do some reflection. And I think this conversation will set you up for some reflection. There's a lot of ways to react, but now's the time to reflect and ask God how to move forward. So again, so glad you're here. Welcome to Next Explorers. Enjoy this conversation I had with pastor and author Morgan Snyder. Enjoy. All right, well, I am here with a very special guest, Morgan Snyder, and I am, you know, I'm just so, so excited to have you on the Next Explorers podcast. As, as I launched the podcast, I was telling you before we are recording, I, I have been wanting to get really the Ransomed Heart Ministries on here from the beginning. It, I wrote out this big list, and uh, if I, I, I can't show you because it's actually on my computer on like my notes, and it's all the, all the ministries I want to like talk to and, and somehow convince them to get on a podcast like this awesome. and Ransom Heart. And then with your book that came out, it was just like, I really feel like God just set it up. I, 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 for some podcasts, I've really had to hunt down, um, but this just kind of fell together. So I, I am thrilled uh, to be able to, to have you on the podcast. Morgan, would you just introduce yourself and where you're from and your ministry, and then we'll jump in. Yeah, Jordan, great to be with you. You know, it's it's um, in all the media of this, it's it's a tr- real privilege to get to with the, the like-hearted, right? Other men and women who really want the deep apprenticeship in God's kingdom, that we would become wholehearted as men and as women, and we would become more and more united with God, like a moment-by-moment intimacy where we're well on the inside. And from that abundance, we can bring life and love and courage to those entrusted to our care. So it's a joy to be with you. Uh, I'm really honored. And I yeah, I've walked with John Eldridge, author of Wild of Heart, for over 22 years in sharing this partnership to bring this mission and message. And so Ransom Heart Ministries was our original name. We've now converted to Wild at Heart to really um, capture the essence of what God's entrusted to us and become good soil is the intimate discipleship track, the intimate apprenticeship of our mission. And Becoming a King that I launched this year is a book, a video series and study guide. And all of that is to embody the message of how do we become the kind of men in whom God is glad to entrust the care of his kingdom in its gender specific ways. And so it reaches men and women, but the, the permission that I'm offering men is to be men and to be curious as men. And as women dive in, they have the privilege of, of having the shared honor of understanding image bearing in gender. And so that's not where my, my story started out. I was a passionate young man and for brevity in this podcast, there was a lot of brokenness in my story. 
And it was in college that I came to a pretty radical um, confidence in God, just a major transformation. But Jordan, what I found was that though I was, I would call it saved, you know, I got some fire insurance or whatever happens at the end of the, the, the world. Um, it didn't resolve the deep questions in my heart as a man. And it didn't provide the process of initiation. And so what I found was I was becoming a man in my world, right? Young marriage, young kids, young career, a deep, right, and a deep love for God, but also was feeling fear, was feeling behind, unequipped. And what I realized was I needed to recover a path and process of initiation. And so we'll get into that in our time, I'm sure. But fundamentally, the last 22 years were about responding to God's invitation to recover an ancient path and to begin asking many questions and seat myself under elders and wise guides. And so becoming a king was simply the fruit of 20 years of excavation and in the in the wisdom of recovering the gospel that was set in their lives. So good. Yeah. Let's before we jump to the book, Becoming a King, which I'm I'm very excited to get into. Uh, you mentioned that ancient paths passage. That's always stuck out to me from Wild the Heart Ministries. Jeremiah 6:16 says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. I mean, my observation from Wild at Heart, becoming a king, uh, way of the Wild at Heart, like we were talking about before, like that, that passage seems to mean something to you. It seems to be like kind of a foundation of sorts for some of your ministry. Can you just unpack that for a bit? I love that passage. I think when yeah. I first, when it was first brought to my attention outside of just like a devotional, I was like, wow, that's like out of the Lord of the Rings or something. I mean, like that, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Like explain why that one resonates so well with what your ministry is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to hear the same question uh, for you back as a pastor and a shepherd, whether it's on this call or after um, we're always at a crossroads, right? And there's something fascinating. Jeremiah is just this brilliant and holy prophet and that's written at the time of this Babylonian exile. Life was a mess. It was an all-out shit show for the people of God, okay? And so that's what's really helpful is context is everything in the scriptures. And so Jeremiah is pleading with the people, talking about this love relationship that's turned into adultery, adultery of the heart, breaking this intimacy with God. And so it's from that context that he says, you are at a crossroads, son, daughter, Make no mistake, you're at a crossroads and you're looking for counsel. And Jordan, we live in a world, you know, every age has a different spirit, has a different, um, it has a different challenge and a different problem and a different provision. And we live in the age of the big me. It's, David Brooks coined that phrase in The Road to Character, but it's a me-centered culture. It's the I generation, right? It's all about my TikTok, my Instagram. It's me-defined. It's self-centered, self-initiated, and self-destructive. We were born, the true story is into a story. It's God-bathed, God-initiated, God-breathed. And so I believe the words of G.K. Chesterton that say every generation loses the gospel and every generation is charged with its recovery. 
like that gives me so much hope. You know, I grew up, I, I grew up um, agnostic Jew from my dad, Catholic mom, and going to Sunday school, um, non, you know, just this religious thing that had very little to do with God. I was altar boy. And the Catholic church now has been absolutely ransacked, right? All the abuse has been highlighted and daylighted. And what's so beautiful is it's a recovery of the gospel, right? There are Catholics that absolutely love God, but there's so much brokenness that was unattended. And so it's just one micro example, you know, the big fallout of um, Hillsong church was the last big thing last week. And then you have Willow Creek. The gospel is being lost and the gospel is being recovered. And that's what keeps it in God and not in man. And so my invitation through Jeremiah was to pause and replace my exclamation points of my soul that a young man comes to believe with question marks. What is the path of life? What is the most important thing? What did God mean when he meant me? as a man and individually. And that began the journey. And what I love about all the different translations, but especially Peterson's of that verse is there, there is peace available for the soul. Like, don't we all want peace when we put our head on the pillow, when we get that phone call in great tragedy that we know it is well with our soul, it's available and it's a recovery of something ancient. Right. Absolutely. I think for me with that passage, since you ask, I can answer. Please tell me. I imagine when I read that, like I'm reading George MacDonald's um, Fantasies book. It's like this old book. And in it, he's going through like this fairyland. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, it's hard to explain. (laughs) But uh, that scripture to me is like, I, I imagine myself with my eyes closed and then I see the crossroads. So like you're kind of in this, wherever it is you are, and then the only way to see this crossroads is to kind of close your eyes and yes. it's in the spirit that you see where you're at. It's, it's a powerful verse. And I think just being able, there's something always attractive about taking an ancient path. You know, there's something to that, knowing that other people have gone before and who know, you know, knowing that you're being invited is different than just trailblazing all the time, knowing that you're invited into something yeah. by heavenly father. I, I think that that message is powerful. Um, and it, I, I've just noticed it. I, I feel like it comes up all the time, and I notice it in your book, which I'd love to talk about, Becoming a King. Now, can I make a confession to you, Morgan, when Please. I first saw this I book? I love confession. I thought, I thought how, how dare this man use Becoming a King as his title? I'm calling John Eldridge. I don't have his number, but I'm going to be like, hey, that was, that was the title. There, some chapter in Way of the Wild at Heart, because I told you before, like, I loved that book. Yes. And I was like... Okay. All right. Okay, cool. We're going to do this. You're just going to take the king thing right from there and build on it. And I was like, I don't know, like maybe he's just going to take what was already said and re-say it. But man, and this, then I got into it and, and I didn't really, you know, I didn't know too much about your relationship with, with John. And I learned all that as I read your book and got into the podcast you guys do. And it was really great. And I just want to tell you, I, I'm sure it took you so much work. Um, but I know a lot of people, I've seen it pop up on my social media feed, just like, Hey, you got to check out this book. And so, um, thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. It took so much I could say about it, but we'll get into some specifics. Go ahead. Yeah. It's an extraordinary amount of work as you well know, as an author. Um, but it also feels, you know, the word that comes to me, Jordan is stewardship, which is such an important word in God's kingdom. And I don't, I do not mean that religiously. 
And I do not mean that financially. I mean that as what am I doing with who and what has been entrusted to my care? You know, we're, we're in this COVID season and it's Advent when we're recording. I don't know when this will be posted. And there's all kinds of loss. There's all kinds of death and, um, and in our personal story and our global story. But one of the provisions is our family with our teenagers now have this gift of having this family connection point every day. And normally it's, you know, just managing life in suburgatory and going all these directions. And, but what we, Oh yeah, it's it, right? It's, it's the purgatory of suburbia. Like, and that's where we live white picket fence and, you know, supposed to stamp and a minivan, in the driveway, take my trash out Tuesday. I'm a normal guy in that sense. Right. We're on zoom right now. And yet we <laughs> yeah, live in that, that fantasy like that. story you're talking about with George McDonald and Lord of the Rings, right? It's a love story, an epic love story set in the midst of a battle. And, and so in that we've had this daily connection point where we're walking through Advent together, confession, we're doing confessions first time as a family to walk through Advent in a daily way. And so There's always this provision and it's stewardship is the question. And so how are we stewarding it? And, and therefore becoming a King is really simply my stewarding the last 20 years of my apprenticeship. And I found a treasure and I want to share it with the like-hearted. That's wonderful. On On the first page, you just come right out and say kind of the purpose. You said the desire to be powerful, to lead, care for, and bring goodness to a man's realm is central to the soul. And that was kind of like your, you know, launching point for the rest of the book around the first page. And so where did this book come from? You know, and I'm sure there, if you've read Becoming a King, which by the end of this podcast, if you don't buy it, you're missing the point here. Um, You, you got to check it out. But where did this story come from? And was there a moment you knew that there was a book being written or, uh, did you say, you know, I'm going to write a, I'm going to write a book and you started that process or did you begin to gather and say, oh, wow, you know, I have something to share and steward, you know, so how did this book come to be? Yeah, that's, that's a question that needs uh, beers and a campfire. <laughs> that's sure a big does. question. Yeah. And it's a great story. Um, but I think what I'd say is the idea, my recovery of the gospel that's been entrusted to me started with, I would say these two words come to me this morning, passion and pain is passion. I want life. I want the fullness of it. I want everything. Sherry and I pray, and she's my wife, 20 years. We want the full portion of what God intends for a man and woman on earth. That's a powerful prayer. And we're not there yet, but we got a lot more than we had a decade ago, thanks to this message. And it came out of pain. You know, Jordan, I I, I looked you know, I've always driven old cars. We're, we're a cash family and live below our means kind of philosophy. And so we always have beaters and finally got my first truck, which was a complete joy bomb this past year. But the, there's always a dashboard, a check engine light of some sort, right? Well, there were check engine lights on my soul and I was ignoring them or minimizing them. And finally I said, something's not working. I have God and I'm not well. And it took a while to realize you can have both those things. You can be in Christ and unwell because the Christian life, as Dallas Willard defined it, is more and more of me belonging to more and more 
of God. Like that's crazy deep waters, most of which I do not understand, but I want some of that. It's like Christmas cookies, like just give me more, right? And so that's where the book started. It not as a book, but as a life lived. I wanted to recover life. And I sat myself under mentors in over 20 years. I began to take these big desires in my heart, particularly as a man. I knew I was meant to be powerful and I found myself wanting to build. But my life, like most people, ended up being directionally oriented towards building my own kingdom make a name for myself, get something going, make a little money. And it was about me. And I knew that's not God's intention. And so I had to deal with this, 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 this uh, dissonance between my life of what I, how I was living and what, what I knew was life. And so as I began recover it, I took the radical steps of things like, instead of building my kingdom, I began excavating and doing this soul work. Instead of promoting, I began to choose the lowest seat at the table until God made it impossible not to stay in that seat. That's Francis Schaeffer's unpacking of Jesus's counsel. It's radical. I, I would sabotage ways of growing my stuff in risking the slow and steady, no shortcuts. It's things where the world and frankly, a lot of the church um, would just think is, is madness. But that was the whisper of the Father heart of God coming through ancient stories of guides that have gone before me. And so in time and over time, I knew I'm a writer. I'm a messenger. You know, God spoke much of my new name that I am a man who has been um, anointed by God to shape men and women who are shaping God's kingdom. But we have to offer out of who we've become. And God's work is to build that platform. My work is to become the kind of person that can be entrusted with it. And so I wrote for years and years because God was very careful and, and, and very guiding to say, I want you to write. But you first have to become the kind of person that has something to say. And so that was the real work of this book, two decades of becoming. And then you have to take the time to write something that's actually a gift to other people, that's a treasure, that's curated and distilled. And only after that, then you can turn and ask, and how are you going to reach people with this message? And so it was a three-part process over two decades. And that's where a book and a video series and a study guide was birthed out of. But I never set out to write a book. I set out to become the kind of person that could be entrusted with that assignment. And, and way more joyful, right? Because when you launch a book during a, a pandemic and bookstores are closed, it's okay. It's okay because you didn't do it for your reputation, for your bank account. You did it out of love. And that's very different. That sounds way harder to do. That's awesome. I think one of the things that attracted me to Wild at Heart Ministries years ago, I was handed a John Eldridge book, Way of the Wild at Heart. And it, it was just its uber focus. And how do I say this? like unapologetic focus on 
me and my masculinity as a guy who loves the Lord. I hadn't ever been so like mm-hmm. zeroed in on as a male before like that. And so oh, I couldn't really, yeah, enough US of it. you know, philosophy all of a sudden, professor and theologian the, the and just loves God. And, and loves anytime, God. as well as you, I mean, you quote so many people in this book. I think you just mentioned Dallas, was it Willard? I mean, I must have highlighted everything you said. He said he was, he was throwing some bombs. So just collecting all of these kind of father, fatherly voices throughout the years has been such a blessing. But I think it's been because there's just been a kind of an unapologetic, let's take a look at masculinity uh, through the context of Scripture and, and underneath the, the you know, I don't know, the bright awesome. shining light of the Father. And so... The topic of masculinity is one that has surfaced and resurfaces. And just in this last few weeks, I I had come across something online. They were talking about masculinity, and I thought, perfect. I'm going to ask Morgan uh, about this because this book and and your ministry is all about healthy masculinity in a biblical sense. That's brave. Way to go, um, Morgan. And as you said before, by no means can a woman not engage in this book. One of the greatest things I think my wife and I did uh, before was after I read Way of the Wild at Heart, um, she read it and I read Captivating after she read it. And I, yeah, afterwards I was like, I, I would stop and I would point to the page and I would go, is this, are you being real? Is this true? Like, I'm going to read this to you and you tell me if this is real. She's like, totally. So I would highly recommend men and women to also read Becoming a King. I know we're going to do that here. But the topic of masculinity, I think, is so important. It's so blessed me to be able to open up that door in my soul and really look and excavate. Hey, Jordan, who are you? Yeah, you know, and how's it going? And important. you use that word initiation. But um, I think I want to give you some space to tell listeners. me. This, this and is, um, anybody listening? This is a revolutionary you know, How do you define that word masculinity? Idea you know, what is it? And then many. what is it not? But we know let's it just unpack that for a little in bit. our bodies and souls. You know, the most important thing we can know about any human being is they bear the image of God as a man or as a woman. We were literally crafted by the hands and heart of God as masculine or feminine souls, right? We have a soul and it will live for eternity. And so this is so important to understand you will always be a man or a woman forever, like forever and ever, okay? So if we just pause on that, that's absolutely profound. And that's a very important distinction. And so it begs the question, what does it mean to become a wholehearted man or woman? And what I want to suggest is that is perhaps one of the most important questions we can ever ask ourselves and we can ever use to form even us as parents when we're initiating our children into wholehearted maturity and in marriage when we're trying to fight for the restoration of a spouse entrusted to our care. And so I think the most important response is to say, if this is true, it means everything. And so it's really a question to take back to our listeners to say, what will you do with that? Where will you go to recover that? Paul has a statement in the New Testament where he says, 
act like a man. Okay, that's a pretty contentious statement because it brings up all that, well, what the heck does that mean? And I don't want to do that, or I would love to do that, or look what they did. They acted like a man and look what the hell happened, right? It's a beautiful mess. And so what I want to tie this idea to, that the most important thing is we bear the image of God as a man or as a woman is, what do we find in the world? You know, I was preparing for a podcast earlier this month and I Googled the news on a random day. You do it today. Any listeners do it today and look at the top 10 stories any, any day and how many stories fundamentally involve the mishandling of power by men. And I would venture a guess that most every time I've done the exercise, it's the majority of the stories. Isn't that powerful? I mean, that's just like a mic dropping concept. We would not have to go on in this podcast. We could stay there of the sobriety. And so you have men entrusted with power and they mishandle it. Dallas Willard says the primary work of God is finding men in whom he can entrust his power and women in whom he can trust his power. And the story of humanity is most men being entrusted with power and it bringing harm to themselves and those under their care. So it is a very messy exploratory process to recover what God meant when he went masculinity, because what we experience in the world mostly are boys in men's bodies, right? Boys in adult roles that have been uninitiated. And so they are powerful and they use that power to answer their own question and need for validation rather than out of a wholehearted strength to use that power to serve in love, women, children, friendships, communities, churches, politics, nations to offer strength and love. And so it's a real important process to get to the heart of design to look at what's gone wrong and ask the question, how do we restore masculinity and femininity? Yeah. So then if, if masculinity is something, obviously that starts in the beginning with our creation and an ultimately fingerprint of God in our life, both male and female. And then there's this world we're living in that would maybe give you a definition of masculinity or show you terrible examples. Like you're saying in the Google news news feed, which yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a depressing way of finding those things out, but it's true. Um, then where does this thing really, where, where do we begin? You know, let, let's say it's, it's the guy who's kind of into your book, you know, or into the idea that maybe he missed the initiation process, you know, of sorts, or couldn't write it out, couldn't tell, couldn't, couldn't say for themselves, well, here's what it means to be masculine in God's eyes, you know, with everything going on, all the different issues, where is the battle for masculinity actually fought? You know, where huh. is, here's, it's, it's Wednesday, and I, and I want to get on this journey of being a, a, a person who follows God and, and wants to express the, the, the masculine identity of who God is because I'm a man and just like a woman could, where, where do we, where do we start and where do we recapture it just for ourselves, in hopes that maybe we recapture it for society? You know, where does this battle for masculinity begin? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, 
I would say it begins in two places. The first is it begins with little boys. If you want just a fresh look, you know, you have a son, nine-year-old son, right? You know the answer to this. When your son is set loose at the age of nine to do whatever the heck he wants to do, right? Get out of the way. He's going to act out his place in God's kingdom in a nine-year-old version, right? He is a boy destined to become a man. He was an acorn that's become a sapling. He has this little root. And one day he will become a man. And he wants to break stuff and jump off stuff and battle stuff and try stuff out. And he has this physical energy and aggression, right? Like, and he wants to win, whether it's chess or a bike ride or a book. He doesn't want to lose, right? The masculinity is hidden in the heart of a boy because the world and the enemy hasn't destroyed it in him. It hasn't been lost, stolen, surrendered, or yielded. And so I'd start with look at a boy. Look at a boy and just let him loose and notice the themes of what comes up, not the specific specificity of it, okay? Because everyone's unique, but the generality, the general themes. Now, so first start with boys, recover design. And now the second, I would say to my friends and women listening on behalf of their husbands, start with where you are. It, it, it ties in very much, Jordan, to where we began with Jeremiah 6 is I believe at every moment of every day, <clears throat> God is making accessible to us a doorway back to the narrow road that leads to life. It's not a one-time decision. It's a thousand times a thousand. And so the question begins, Father, you're on time. You are perfectly capable to restore the world in which you created, including me. You are the author of my initiation as a man. It's not up to me, God. It begins with you. My invitation and responsibility as a son is to respond to your leadership. So today, what is the on-ramp? What is the pathway? What are you doing to shepherd me through a process of healing the broken parts within me, delivering the parts within me that are bound and under siege, initiating the immature parts in me. Yesterday for me, it was a Dutch brother's foo-foo drink for my daughter. Okay. What I wanted was for her to clean her room. What I wanted was for her to quit watching YouTube creative videos and get her schoolwork done. But what I have is this precious wild-hearted teenager that's a total extrovert and she is in prison at home on online school overnight because of a pandemic, okay? And she's also in a house of introverts. We are all introverts except for this gem of a girl. <laughs> That's great. And, and so I've missed the mark, Jordan with fighting for her feminine heart. I've missed the mark in communicating to her, I delight in you. And there's nothing you can do or not do. There's nothing you can say or not say that will 
give me permission to withdraw my delight. And so yesterday, the invitation to the on-ramp of a narrow road that leads to life for me was confession, repentance, and the celebration of getting her her favorite drink from her favorite coffee shop, lots of sugar and lots of caffeine, two things I don't really appreciate, um, and not go after her behavior, but go after her heart and say, daddy missed you. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? The, the 11 most wor important words we ever say in our household. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I love you. Will you forgive me? That was the piece of initiation that I had yesterday. And so where's the door being presented to you? You are on time. You're not behind. You are on time in God's initiation of your heart. That's good. Yeah, I think that relieves a lot of pressure too. I think sometimes even let's, if we, you know, if you're walking by this book, Becoming a King on the Shelf, and, you're, and you feel not like that, you know, you feel like you're missing it everywhere. You know, I, I know for me personally, just it doesn't take very long for me to feel like I'm missing the mark, even as you said. I think by saying, you know, look at a, a boy or even remember yourself as a little boy, it, it relieves some of the pressure, you know, because one of the things I noticed about my son, there's no pressure on him. He, he doesn't perceive pressure or that. things like that. that. He, you know, I got to get this done. In fact, he is a puppy of all puppies. I mean, just getting him, the kid forgets that he has to get dressed every morning. You know, he's just like, woo, you know, underwear and, and breakfast. And so we remind him every morning, no, school, remember? And, you know, <laughs> food, you know, so you're right. And I think that releases the pressure of also just, you know, where you at, you know, and, and step in and, and engage, I think is great. Um, you know, you had said those first... 10 stories. Well, just uh, a couple weeks ago, I'd saw that there was this thing going on. And I thought, well, I might as well just ask Morgan about this. There's this kind of celebrity said, our whole lives, boys and men are told we are, that we need to be manly. He said, life is short. Be whatever the F you want to be. Our whole lives, boys and men are told we need to be manly. And I was struck by this quote, not, not because it surprised me that somebody said something like this. I mean, whatever. But the part where it said, where he said, our whole lives, we are told that we need to be manly. And mm. surely he's speaking to something, you know, oh, he's, he's not loaded. a believer. Uh, but I, if I can say this, the, it goes beyond being a believer. I mean, be, before we, I was, that I found Christ and, or he found me and I was still a male, you know, I was still made in the image of God and he's speaking to something and I was just curious about that. Our whole lives were told that we need to be manly. What yeah. do you think that he's speaking to? And is he right? Mm -hmm. You know, what's your perspective on that? Well, let's call him Zach, because I don't know who this is, but I, I like to be personal. And as you read that quote, it's fascinating. Um, I feel the father's heart for Zach rise up in me. And I don't see him as a celebrity. I see him as a man and I see the boy inside of the man and the father heart of me wants to pull the, him away from the cameras and go into the green room in the back and sit down and be in a safe place and say, Zach, I hear a lot of pain 
in that idea. Tell me, tell me your story, Zach. I'd love to know where it all went sideways. What happened to your dreams? What were your boyhood dreams? Yeah. What's it really like for you being a celebrity? Right. Right. Uh, what I want is what God wants. I want access to his heart. I even find in this, you know, we're doing an audio video thing, but I find myself like leaning forward because I want to, I want to get to the center of his heart. Be, be right. below anger is always pain. And so I hear a loaded word. What he means by masculinity is he was shut down and something was terribly missed. And I'm guessing as a celebrity, there was probably some artistic gifting that was much like King David that was very masculine, but was mishandled by uninitiated men around his story that the enemy was fierce to see that masculinity could be tarnished. And so here's where I would kind of go with that question and that quote. An acorn doesn't need to be told, become an oak tree. You don't need to yell out it every day. You got to become an oak tree. Like, get your act together. Grow. Come on. You need leaves. You need fruit. You need to produce. The design of the oak tree lives inside the acorn. What it needs is an atmosphere and an environment to be well. It needs soil, it needs water, it needs sunlight, it needs right. tended to, it needs protection when it's young. And it needs protection from its enemies like weeds that, that take incredible amounts of resources but don't bear fruit. Yeah, and when that acorn has the environment, it cannot help but to become an oak tree. And an oak tree is a brilliant expression of creation, providing shade and providing habitat, providing beauty and joy and so much more. And so Jordan, what I would want to say to Zach is I want to get to know you. Where, where did, what is your story? What are your dreams? And how can we become students of his story to see where masculinity was harmed and how do we restore him? Because I believe Zach will actually never be happy and never be well and never be at peace and never find his full calling and his vocation until he comes home as a man. Mm, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's a great analogy about the acorn and, and just, yeah, it's about the environment. It's, it's, it's about the things around. It's really special, which it's no surprise to me, which I think it leads into the next thought I wanted to ask you, because if you spend any time in the book or just any time with you boys over at Wild at Heart Ministry, you'd like yourself some outdoors. You really do. And a really shallow look at your book, and I mean like inches deep, you can yes. make the argument that you're like, you know, men should be outdoorsy. Oh, that's the risk, right? And if, right. You're, and if you're not, you know, you may be missing something. So... I know that's not what you're saying, and um, but what is it about the outdoors? Because you know, there's there's people who pick up your book. You, you guys have talked about this many times. Who are what? What did you say? Uh, um, what was the word you mixed with suburban? Uh, suburgatory. Suburgatory. Who are yeah. trapped in suburgatory, right? And they 
they're like the most outdoorsy they get is the house plant, you know, that their wife put above the sink. So what is it about the outdoors that has meant so much to you? And what would you say to those guys out there, out there who have never considered themselves outdoorsy? For those of you not watching this video, there's a whole plethora of animal heads behind Morgan that, that have been involved in this conversation the entire time. And, <laughs> and, and I just had like this white background basically blocking the other side of my garage. So what is it about outdoorsy that means so much to you and have, have seemed to have resonated with so many guys? You know, it has resonated with my heart so much, so much so that even when I'm just outside in general, regardless of where I am in yep. the mountains or driving home, taking it in through my nostrils, going way to, you know, just pausing. But what is it about the outdoors that has meant so much to you? And what would you say to those guys out there who are like, oh, that's just, you know, I'm not a hiker, but I sure love the Lord. Sure. Speak to it for a moment. Yeah. And I want to primarily speak to all the listeners that are now wanting to dismiss me. Sure. Right. Dismiss me because of what you just shared. Some dead animals on my wall and the outdoors focus in the book. And here's, here's what I want to say. First off, I do my daughter's nails. I do foot scrubs. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I, I don't do social media, but I have a Pinterest account so that I can learn how to do those little designs of flowers, like with little tools. I have an entire toolkit of Get nail it. doing things. Okay. <laughs> like, awesome. So uh, let me tell the listeners something else. I grew up in suburgatory wearing matching Argyle socks to sweaters now as a talking. golfer. Now we're okay? talking. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I take my trash out every Tuesday. I'm sitting in an office. My, my animals on my wall are in the midst of a suburgatory office where I'm on Zoom most of the day. Okay. The reason why I share that is this is not a caricature. In the man who wants to say, oh, it's about bravado, or this is about wilderness or outdoors or a certain kind of man, I want to suggest that that's actually a dismissal, not of me, but of your own heart. Because the issue is, what is my frontier? What is the edge of God's initiation in my masculinity that he's wanting to surface? And the spirit of false comparison is a very dangerous thing to employ because when we agree with false comparison, we always lose. And so here's what's important about nature, Jordan, is God gave it to us as our first sacred text. These heroes of the faith that we find in the Old Testament, they didn't have the revelation of Christ in the New Testament. You know, they had the Torah, they had five books. And what they had was God expressing himself through nature. I read this great book. I think it was Brother Lawrence who came to Christ. He came to a full revelation of God in his kingdom by staring at a tree for hours. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Just like all of us, right? I mean, that's... Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And so what I want to say to all of our listeners, regardless of where they are in their faith journey... Because we are modern humans, everyone listening to this podcast lives in a first world culture, right? This in a westernized culture. And nature is one of the great tools that God has given us to save our souls in an increasingly artificial world. Nature gives us something real. In an 
increasingly fast and furious world. We live in the age, a marginless age, where it's more and more faster and faster up and to the right. Nature doesn't speed up. Nature has a cadence and a rhythm that is meant to ground our souls in reality. And so please, dear listeners, don't go buy a chainsaw and don't go try to kill something and don't go try to be macho. We all will lose because we will all end up causing harm. Instead, how do you immerse yourself in real things and not the artificial? Would you risk stepping into a realm of God's created universe and immerse yourself with all your senses in things that are true and good and beautiful and begin to ask the question, God, what does this tell me about who you are, about what your story is, about who I am and about what your frontier is for me? And I believe that there's a universal restoration process that happens for every human being with nature. And for many years, when I was at your stage of life, Jordan, with the little ones at home, my favorite piece of nature was walking from my suburgatory driveway to the common community mailbox, because there wasn't even room on our little yards for mailboxes, 300 yards down to the end of our street to get the mail because it was the one time with babies that I had for just me. And I would walk as slow as I could to that mailbox and get a bunch of junk mail and walk as slow as I could back. And I would smell the air and I would feel the weather and I would be immersed in nature and it healed my soul. And it had very little to do with the character of ma- caricature of masculine bravado. Yeah, that's really great. Thank you. Thank you for uh, taking the time to clear that up too, because uh, you know I have, we have a. And they're going to listen to this. We have a group. I have a group of guys that we meet every Friday morning, and we've been meeting for a while. But now we're all on Zoom or in little different places, and we'd always jab each other about the outdoorsy thing. But it's you're yes. right. It's about stepping into the frontier of what God has yeah. for you. You know, and it's Jordan, may I share one other thing on this idea? Because it's interesting. I do have some animals on my walls, but what's fascinating is none of that was intentional for video. This is my office. This is where I spend most of my time outside of my family. And the animals on my walls are all stories. They're memories of moments where God initiated me as a man and fathered me as a son. I was terrified of the outdoors. Nobody initiated me. And when I look in the mirror, I I still see a part of a chubby little kid and a boy wearing Argyle socks. He's in me. He's being healed and being restored. But the reason why I have these animals is they remind me of what's true about God's shepherding our process of initiation. And I just happen to be sitting at my desk and these are for me and not the public, but what else is behind me? And I've never thought about this to this moment. I have shelves filled with books. I'm a lifetime learner and lover. That's the, that's the announcement in our household that Sherry and I, our mission is to cultivate our kids to become lifetime learners and lovers. 
And I've got my joy bomb hat because I'm a, I'm a fierce fighter for joy. You know, we launched this little brewery and we brew craft beer and we give it all away for free and we self-fund it because we knew young men with young parents or young families and young careers, they need joy and giving away free beer that's craft brewed. It, it, it promotes joy. I've got pictures of my wife and my kids and my friends because they're why I do what I do, you know, in my survival kit for my wilderness ventures, the most important thing I have more important than my water filter is a picture of my family. Cause that what make me want to come home. And so the truth is there's some animals in my, there's some animals in my office and there's a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad you told that. And that's, that's beautiful. I mean, there's so many moments in the book, um, Morgan, that, that resonated, you know, I think, um, the, my first favorite was probably becoming a generalist. Uh, the way that I could explain that I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready to have that type of conversation with you in the book. And I thought you did a really good job in there. If we have time at the end, cause there was a couple things I really wanted you to speak to. I'll let you give your pitch for, uh, carrying a pocket knife. Cause I love that. And, uh, and by the end, obviously we've been talking a lot about becoming good soil. I'll put all of the links and things in the notes, um, uh, just like that. So maybe just let me ask you this last thing, because I thought this is the thing that really stood out to me as a part in your book and becoming entitled Becoming Good Soil. And I just want to read it and let you share to it and we'll wrap up. And it says, when the current of our culture becomes a prevailing force in our life and we give consent to a gospel of now, we set our soul within a habitat that simply isn't in alignment with how we designed, we were designed to thrive. Besides doing a great disservice to the human soul, this gospel of now has caused us to interpret many of our disappointments as God not coming through for us. He works in a particular way, in a manner, but the spirit of our age has virtually eliminated our willingness as men to participate with him and agree with the process that becoming requires. I, I, I mean, I highlighted that, I circled that, and then I thought maybe if you just could in these last few moments together, yeah, yeah I, I would love to, you know, the piece on the knife, I don't know, it will get to it, but on becomegoodsoil.com, yeah, okay. there's a blog post called castration. And I think that I would commend it to our readers and it's Beautiful. not hard to remember. But to your question, Jordan, <laughs> process is as important yeah. a word in masculine initiation as the word stewardship that we talked about earlier in our time together it is a path. It is a process. The best things in life take time. Nature teaches us that, that God is not in a hurry. That's fascinating just to hold that truth. God is not in a hurry. And so the things that really matter, they're not quick. They're not cheap. They're not easy, but they are life. They are life. And so I've had mentors ask me, um, what's at stake if you don't take the path? And many of them spoke out of pain, loss of marriages, loss of children, loss of careers, because they became too powerful, too much kingdom, and not enough wholehearted character to steward those kingdoms. They fought bravely and died quickly and it all came crumbling down. 
And so I would say, look at men who are in their 50s and 60s and 70s and ask the question, where did they, where did they get taken out? Where'd they get taken out? Where'd they lose their way? That's a very important exercise. And ask the question, you know, we all will die someday and cross over into the restoration of all things. And eulogies will be spoken and words will be spoken by those closest to us. What would you have, what would you hope they would say? And what would you fear they would say? And that's very important. You know, you asked me earlier offline of what my favorite part of the book is. And no one's asked me that question. It's really fun to think about that and pray about it. And I can tell you with, um, with joy, the most important part is the dedication and the acknowledgements um, for me to express um, my gratitude for the people that have, have been gracious with me in my unfinished nature and my process. But the second most important part of me is the end. And I'll give the spoiler alert here. The end of the book is an invitation into a decade. And very few people want to choose to engage in that sort of care for their soul in this age. But I've learned from sitting with mentors that that's actually the quickest way is the slow and steady path. And if a person will give their soul to a decade of becoming, of being curious, of excavating their story, of journeying with other like-hearted, becoming the kind of people that God can entrust with the care of his kingdom, the fruit is joy and life and peace for you and those closest to you. It is worth it. And there's more. That's so good. Well, Morgan, this has been a treat. I appreciate it so much for you. Uh, taking the time to be on this podcast and uh, we'll put all the notes, but as you heard in the podcast, you can go to becominggoodsoil.com. There's so much there. I wouldn't check it out. I would go to becominggoodsoil.com slash knife and some cool stuff there and then pick up Becoming a King. It's a great book and uh, for sure my favorite part, Morgan, which I told you I'd share was to realize that I'm not behind. Uh, yeah. you, you, I, I had highlighted that and been reminding myself of that every day. Just like, I'm not behind and, and uh, I'm with this. And so thank you so much, man. It's just been great. And it's been great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, honor to be with you, Jordan. Let's keep going. God bless you. Yes, so good. I enjoyed that time so much. I hope you did too. Uh, Pastor Morgan, thank you so much for being on Explorers. What an honor, what a privilege. We appreciate all that you're doing. We thank you for this book. And uh, I wanted to make sure you knew all the resources that he mentioned and ways to get connected with him are in the notes. Uh, but you can go to becomegoodsoil.com. Uh, if you want to check out that article he talked about, then go to becomegoodsoil.com slash castration. That should be a good one. And then also becomegoodsoil.com slash hello trouble if you're interested in uh, maybe a knife like he talks about. And I don't want to give away all the book. We've talked a lot about it. But if you haven't picked up Becoming a King, uh, now's the time. Uh, it's a wonderful book of uh, to reflect on who you are as a man and also just to look about uh, biblical masculinity. Uh, it really encouraged me, and it's both for men and women. Uh, I think you'd really enjoy it. I put the link in the notes. As always, so glad you're here. This music's by Andrew Arcadi, and uh, this podcast was hosted by me, Jordan Abina. Keep exploring, everybody. Love you so much. See you next week.